It's like I had this troll the other day on YouTube. He was basically poking fun at my video. I said, yeah, oh, yeah, advice from a guy with 10 likes. That was his troll comment. Oh, really? I looked at his profile and he had 13 subscribers, right? And he was just one of those fake names. So I replied back. I said, oh, listen, I only take comments seriously when someone has at least 14 subscribers. So keep at it. <laughs> this is James Schramko. James Schramko here. Welcome back to my podcast. We have Trevor Toecracker back again. Welcome back. Thanks, James. Number five. I feel honoured. Well, you, you get yourself up there in the top charts often, which is nice. I, I feel like the topics that we talk about are tremendously useful to our audience. Today will be along the same lines. We're picking a topic of proposals. This is something that does come up a fair bit. A lot of the people listening to this, they might have agencies, they might have services, they often have things at higher prices. Some of them do have a proposal system. Some of them don't but need it. And maybe some people have it and don't need it at all. We'll we'll uncover some of these things in this episode 1004. So to kick off, let's just talk about what a proposal system actually is. Yeah, good question. So for me, it goes back to my banking days. A lot of of my stuff goes back to my banking days. You know, when I was in the senior management positions, if an application had to go up the line for someone in their ivory tower to sign that off, it needed a proposal. Of course, they had their own format for it. Sure, the numbers need to stack up. It needs to be valuations and security. But at the end of the day, that proposal has got to convince that person using their lending discretion to say yes or no. And so when I got into copywriting in 2001, I just started doing what I'd been doing in the bank for so long. I would talk to somebody about maybe a copywriting project or some sort of consulting coaching project. And I'd have the conversation and I would get off the call or early days, it might have been face to face, look at my notes and then send them what I call this proposal, which had everything in it from my perspective so they could make an informed decision whether to proceed either way. Right. And rather than blurting a figure out during the, the call of Skype or these days of Zoom, I would just put everything in that proposal format. The good, the bad, the ugly, the positioning, the proof, the pricing, the risk reversal, testimonials, and then they say yes or no. And a lot of emails to go with that if it's sent by an email. So this is really interesting um, talking about the time frame or the fact that you haven't disclosed the price. On a call... Would people ask you how much it costs? I mean, that might have been one of the things they were probably fairly interested in and often they might be shocked about. Yes. How did you get around that situation? Yes, because that's, that's a question that's asked a lot, not just to me, but for people in general. For everyone, like how much is this thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I guess I've got a reasonable um, vetting process if I'm going to talk to somebody to make sure they're not, you know, I'm not wasting their time and they're not wasting mine. And the question does come up. And the way I approach it is this. Let's say it was you and I, James, and I'd say, James, good question. However, what I like to do is when you get off the Zoom call, look at all my notes based on what we discussed, look at what you feel that you actually um, want, and I'll work out what I feel you need, which could be two different things, and I'll put everything in my proposal so that you can make an informed decision, including my fees, and I'll get that to you in the next 24 to 48 hours. Will that be okay? And I never have an objection to that. Well, I think clients want proposals. 
I learned a really valuable lesson around around this when I was in my previous role, which was when I was a, a rookie salesperson, I was 23 years old and I would sit there at my desk and I had a carbonized book and uh, I'd sit there with the customer. I'd, I'd take them for a test drive. I'd value their trading. I'd figure out what they need and I'd get to the point where we had to talk about the solution that was right for them and how much it would cost. And they were very, very enthusiastic for me to write it all down and for them to take that away with them. And my uh, peers, they called that a shopping ticket. <laughs> and I had this carbonized book. I wrote it out and it was like triplicate uh, or duplicate. And so I'd write it on my copy and then it would print through and I'd tear out the top and I'd give it to them and I would never see them again. <laughs> so I had, I had a flawed proposal system where I was giving them this shopping license. They would get in their car, drive down the road to the next dealer selling the same thing, hand it over and say, beat that. And I was cooked. So I fairly, I'd say from then, that was 1995. I've not really used proposals in my business. So this is a really interesting topic. I've instead found ways to either deal with it in the conversation and avoid that decay of someone going away and life getting in the way or thinking about it. And in fact, some people actually go the opposite way. They heap all the pressure on the call. It's like you join right now while we're on this call, it'll be $10,000 and it's okay if you don't want to do that, but just know that after we hang up this phone, it's going to be $15,000 when I send through my proposal. Right? So they use the boiler room style tactics, which are of course abhorrent. I, like, I just absolutely hate that pressure type of selling. So I, I guess because of an early experience, I just... I didn't want to get into the proposal thing. And the, my workaround came via a different industry, as it often does. I had a, a fellow salesperson who used to have a job in a video industry. This is for people not our generation. There used to be these shops with movies in them you could go and rent on videotapes. And the wholesale distributors, the companies that sold these videotapes to the, the shops would print their price lists on purple paper. Because if you try and photocopy it, again, old school, yep. this is when you put a piece of paper in something and hit copy, it would turn black. Yeah. So they were not shareable and they wouldn't fax. So I actually got some blue paper. I went down to the printing shop. I got some blue paper and then I would write my notes. I said to the client, I'm just going to make some notes here. And they'd say, can I have a copy of that? And I'd be like, look, if I try and copy, this is going to turn black. These are just my notes so that I know where we're up to in the conversation, I'm happy to write it all down on an order form. And that's where we sort of transfer into the order mode. Yeah. And so that was kind of my bridging thing. But of course, most of the heavy lifting I did was I still needed, to, uh, it was hard to sell over the phone. The thing I wanted to sell over the phone was the appointment, but it was often a preference for face-to-face. -face. Now in this modern online world, I imagine a lot of your prospects are not face-to-face. -face, and now you're having to have conversations either on Zoom or the telephone or maybe even text. This is why it's such an interesting topic. Is there a chance that having a proposal will cause a decay? Or will, will they lose interest in between the time you talk to them and when the proposal comes 24 to 48 hours later? That's certainly on my mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's a template and I could literally adjust it in five minutes to 10 minutes and send it off in reality. All right. Change the headline, change a few tweaks, you know, change some pricing depending whether it's mentoring or copywriting fees. For me, what I found in my own case is that the type of conversation I'm having with them, there's a lot of proof on the call. They've generally reached out to me in the first place. I'm not 
chasing them to get on a call with them. So they've been referred or they know about, you know, their perceived reputation or whatever. So they're coming highly qualified. And I mean, whilst I say 24 to 48 hours as a worst case, it's usually out, you know, within the 24 hours. And my own for my own projects, I'm closing roughly 85, 90%. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's say it's a copywriting fee that even though I'm not taking on copywriting projects, of course, I have people that I pass the projects on to. I might quote 35,000 for that as an example. Now, they could talk to another copywriter and charge them five, seven, ten grand, but a lot of cases I still get the yes. And the copywriters that I've mentored over the years, which is a lot, statistically, they double their fees within the first three months. You know, around when I used to count, was around 80, 85%. So they can actually take on more clients if they want to, but reality is they can take on less clients or even have the same lead flow and double their fees. So they're getting paid double and doing less. And, you know, a lot of copywriters and people in general, they hate the conversion process Mm -hmm. because they're not trained or not skilled at it or don't invest enough of their own time in to sharpen their skills. This just does the heavy lifting for them. It's like that crowbar to leverage people from a prospect into money in the bank. And two of my favorites really from non-copywriting type clients who've implemented this was one of my um, former mentoring clients, but he had a sideline business. And that was a business to consumer market for them. And we had a mentoring call and sometimes we'd flip between one business or the other. So in this particular session was just on this trade business. And I said, well, why don't you just do a proposal because they weren't converting to the level that they wanted to convert. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, didn't think of that, went through it. And within about 90 days, based on his own figures, they increased their conversions 260%. No increase in ad budget, no increase in actual leads, same number of leads, higher conversions from simply changing the way they presented their pricing, their offer. And then the other guy, which was really more interesting for me, was I was a patient of his in that sort of pain, you know, he's a pain consultant. And I'd given him money and I went up for him for one and a half days treatment to fix my old cricket injury on my right ankle. And at lunchtime, uh, I said, look, if I had not been referred to you strongly by somebody, I would not have given you one pound as in the UK, let alone the amount that I gave you. And I said, because your proposal, your offer just sucked. And then I said, how about you give me some of my money back and I'll teach you my system. And then I said, what are you currently converting at? He was at 15%. I said, all right, well, so we agreed and... It took a few weeks to get his proposal document together after I reviewed it and copy chiefed it. And about 90 days after that, he'd gone to 60% at much higher fees. So, you know, it's a 400% increase in conversions. And so I got some data from him literally a few weeks ago on this and that. And he's still using it, obviously. And 
what's more interesting is daily fee rates. So somebody goes, I need emergency treatment today. It went from 1,500 pounds to 20,000 pounds and people pay it. You know, so the, the financial, not so much freedom, but the difference that having this system has made in his life and his wife and kids is quite astonishing based on his own words. So for anyone who's doing proposals now, there's a good chance they could do better proposals? Yes. And it's also suitable to people who aren't highly trained, skilled at, or desire or enjoy selling, especially over the phone or face-to-face. It's a, it seems like it's a system they can lean on. I loved your little wordplay there. What is it, a crowbar that just moves money into your bank account? Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it is. you don't have to worry about selling, just use this. I like it. And, and it sounds like it's good for services and anything where you can be less commoditized. It was, it was hard for me selling a car where the customer could buy the exact same unit from any one of seven suppliers within a 30-minute drive. That was a tough environment for me to learn how to sell. When it was a used vehicle or when I'm selling things like surfboards where they're the only one of its kind or very different to other ones, it's much easier to hold out and to build value in it. Would it be fair to say this proposal system could be an augmentation to a current service business that might become the primary conversion source or it's just one of many? I personally think this can be a game changer for people to convert. You know, I was on a call three or four weeks ago with somebody I hadn't seen since we met at an event in 2005, just playing catch up runs a quite a successful ad agency on Facebook and we we're just, you know, chewing the fat on stuff. And he's uh, like, any chance I can get your proposal system? And I was like, yeah, 25 grand, right? Or you can wait for the trainee because he understood how it would help him differentiate himself from other agencies, the way he presents his pricing and being able to charge more as well. And as I'd, I mentioned to you earlier, I think before we hit the record, I didn't for many years realize what such a valuable resource it was, right? Because I was just, yeah, I, get up, I talk to somebody, proposal goes out, you know, majority of the time they say yes, so don't question the fees. And then I, you know, just started to teach it to people and they're getting results. And what I've liked about from my own perspective is I've been able to take it from outside the copywriting, coaching, consulting niche and in various industries and they get the results from and even some of the um landscapers that i've been mentoring with uh, with my business partner you know not only did we get them to start charging you know for design fees when they used to do it for free it's like well how about you know what do you send let's improve that how about you model this and you know when you can go from your average project is you know, 30,000 to closing projects of 80 to 100,000 pounds gross by simply presenting your services in a different way, that's impactful. I think that's the most important point, presenting your services in a different way. I did have a guest, uh, I think it was James Reynolds, spoke at my event. He had an SEO business, actually bought mine, and he was sharing tips on how to do proposals. There's lots of tools out there that make this easy for people. Like at the time, I think there was quote roll or something. You can do digital proposal tools that send it out. You can embed videos, et cetera. But I imagine there's a focus on the tech there. And I imagine people are just putting line items or descriptions and maybe missing some of the sales elements of a proposal. Pretty much all of them. And um, 
A classic was this uh, female copywriter that I took on as a, a protege quite a few years ago. I mean, she was good. She picked up a gig to do a whole Jeff Walker product launch formula in Jay Abraham's voice, et cetera, et cetera. And she just flat out refused to model my system because she came from a corporate background and just hated it. She said it was too salesy for her. She was very clinical, but she was very good at closing pretty much on the call. And her two sort of maybe three-page quote proposal went out and just recapped what they were going to get in for the fee. Now, in her own words, she was batting about a thousand when she was below that ten thousand dollar mark, five, six, seven thousand. And we jump on a call, and she's like, "I'm starting to get rejected. I just missed a project at ten thousand dollars and one at twelve thousand. And I said, "Well, it's." what you're sending out. It's not working. You know, once you start getting those bigger fees. So it's not salesy, but it's not selling. Yeah. Fancy that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, so she just completely recoiled on the Zoom call. And I said, just humor me and humor yourself and give it a crack, give it a try. So I was in Poland at the time and she was in LA. And a few hours later, I get this message from her she goes i want to go back to the two prospects that said no and see if i can convert them but i don't have time like i want to go back tomorrow so i don't have time to follow your proposal because mine's around you know 20 depending on who you are and how much proof 23 to 28 pages long so she slammed something together based on some guts of the proposal and i said all right send it off two yeses so twenty-two thousand in two projects right they said no to a day, basically a day or so later, saying yes, based on the way she presented what she was offering. And I was on her email list, and so she emails her entire list about this whole thing, and this is how she described it. She tells a story about me saying that her proposal sucked and she should follow mine, and her, basically her exact words were, and when he told me that, it was as though he'd farted square in my face after eating a plate of Brussels sprouts. I thought it was so vile. However, I did it. And this is the result. So it was a long email. And so basically, she had to eat humble pie. And then, of course, she realized that that's what she needed to do to close these bigger projects. And, you know, I mean, I've closed some, personally, some massive projects doing this. Now, could I close a lot of them on the call? I'm pretty good at closing on a call, but I don't want to take that risk. Uh, this works, you know, send it off. I know I've closed some people on it, you know, private chat, it's, you know, 20 grand, et cetera, et cetera. But this is still my go-to one. And what I used to get a kick out of was, was the mentoring students as part of the mentoring is I had to see their proposers before they sent them off to a prospect, right? Okay, you can probably see where I'm going with this one. Because even though you're sharpening up their skills, a lot of time you're working on the mind game, they still want it there on that side, of course, and in case the client says no, well, what if they say yes at a much higher fee? And so, you know, I knew what they were going to be doing. I knew the skill level. I knew what I was providing for them. So I would literally look at it, not every time, but and I probably, if I had to put a percentage on it, 20, 25% of the times when I'd look at their proposal, I would just at the stroke of a key, change the number up. And every time I did that and they had to send it off so there was no more mentoring, that was the deal, right? My way or the highway. And it would get accepted. 
you know, uh, the classic was a guy in Australia quoted somebody in the US basically $8,000. He's gone 8000 US, convert to Australian, it's good. I just changed it to thirteen, and said so send it off. Boom. So it's less a function of the price, but more a function of the presentation. Presentation, and when you follow the elements and put all the proofing in there, and position everything the way that you know has worked for me, because I've been using this format since two thousand and twelve. After an initial more generic version from two thousand and one to two thousand and twelve, but it's just free money in reality. You know, one of the guys that um, I taught this to, he said recently, he said, look, I hated the conversion process, uh, good copy skills, but just following this made it seamless and painless. And I went from an average $5,000 project to 10 to 25, depending on the scope of the project, right? Another lady, um, she used a portion of it to close it. $13,500 project when previously her project fees were two to three grand. Well, I think we've established that it's effective. And I've seen, you know, in my parallel universe, I've helped clients with this coaching application framework or selling services over the phone. They've failed to sell anything. They follow the steps and they start making sales. It's great as an educator to have a system that works. I published that as a playbook inside my own membership, nice. which is probably ridiculously low cost for the high impact that it could give someone. That's just one of the playbooks. There's a lot of discussion in the industry around setters and closers. That's where people are commandeering uh, their prospects on direct messages, getting them ready to have a phone call with someone. And then the phone calls with a closer, which is like just the most gross way to talk about selling because it's nothing to do with the closing, is it? It's really a lot to do with the opening, the investigation and presenting things the right way. The close should automatically take care of itself if you do it right. There's not 27 tricky tie-downs and tag-ons that are going to magically make a sale happen. And we shouldn't be using high-pressure tactics. That's really went out with the wolf and Wall Street, right? So getting back to it, there is this proposal way. For my clients who have done proposals, I've suggested that they call them action plans from a framing perspective with the client because one of the triggers for me was this proposal just kept bringing up the idea that you know, you're proposing business, but it's a yes or no option. Whereas an action plan is a little more assumptive that we're going to go forward and this is what we'll be doing. And this is, you know, you can put in your proof elements of what other people have gotten. And this is how you, you know, this is the logistics, how you go ahead. And that's worked really well for the people in the absence of knowing Trevor's proposal system. Now you've given some indicators that it's very long. You've given an indicator that that it has sales elements. Do you want to tell us how it works? Like, what does it actually look like? Yeah. Um, But before I get to that good point on the proposal, I mean, sometimes I I call it an invitation. Nice. So it's it's like when the early days of webinars, I used to call them online training session because people didn't know what a webinar was, (laughs) right? So putting in a customer frame, an invitation, that sounds lovely because we all want invitations. Yeah. And it sounds like they're lucky to to be able to go forward with that. Yeah. Oh, and I... The mini version I've seen, and I used to sometimes send, it was like about 12 years ago, I'd send an email out saying, hey, I was about to put together a video explaining how my program works, and I was going to do explain this and that and the results that Freddie and Jimmy got. However, it's pretty much almost full. So here's what we're doing. Here's when we're doing it. Here's what I expect the outcomes will be. This is who it's for. This is who it's not for. If this is interesting, you know, if this is something you're interested in, just reply back yes. And 
that was all I needed to do to make sales because I'd done so much framing up or, you know, building up of trust and uh, publishing information prior to that. And then I've seen other people do a Google Doc close. That's what they call it. And I think this is the current modern way of a proposal is they just say, if you're, you know, putting together this thing, if you're interested, put your details below. And then they send them a Google Doc. They share a Google Doc that is effectively a sales letter summary. Yep. So yours sounds like a longer version than that. It is. And I've, I've definitely used the Google Doc. I'm going to be testing some very short two and three page Google Docs, but I'm highly qualified people. The, yeah, mine's long because of how much proof I've put in. Right. My own case, because I've been doing this a long time. But even someone who's, you know, been at their professional industry less, it's still going to be reasonably lengthy. So the headline's important, like with anything. Right. So when I've had a conversation with somebody and I work out what the outcomes they want to get from investing in my services, as an example, I wrap a headline based on that conversation. I make it personalized. Why? Because when they see it, they go, actually, he listened. He understood the outcome that I'm wanting to get. So I'm hitting them right on that and I put their name in and if their business name, et cetera, et cetera, whether it doesn't really matter what service is being offered. And, you know, if you're a tradesman, they do the same thing. And really the first page is just sort of recapping based on, yep, I understand that you know this and you know that about, you know, but to get those results, you need the right combination of X, Y, Z. And then I just go into the proof element. Proof, 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 proof. And as relevant as possible to their scenario. Relevant as possible to their scenario, yep. So if you're doing pool landscaping, you might have pool landscaping results, maybe even pictures or something. Yeah. Jobs you've already done. That would build a massive amount of trust, wouldn't it? Like, Because that's something going through the mind. Is this person shifty? Is this their first job? Do they actually take the money and run? Yeah. And, you know, in certain industries, there's a lot of wild backyard. There is. I've seen, a, a you know, in our Facebook community here, someone posted a picture of a roofing company. They pitch underneath the other suppliers, they take a deposit and then disappear. It's like a full-on scam. And- yeah. I imagine if someone received a, a lengthy document with lots of verifiable proof, would have to play against that type of fear because they're like, well, I, I trust it. And example, I'm having a, a vehicle modified at the moment and two people recommended this place to me and then the third person I asked about it said they're the best and then I've checked their website and they have endless proof and results like articles, like a consumer guide, like why we're the best performer, you know, most up-to-date performer in the country, what it is we do differently. Then when you speak to them on the phone and communicate with them, everything backs up the look and feel of what I'm hearing about to the point where I'm, I'm just like, shut up and take my money. <laughs> like, because I feel like the risk is extremely low. I feel so confident in their ability. I've never even set foot in their establishment. Yeah. They're obviously doing a lot of things right and the, the recommendations and everything you found backs it up. And what I found for clients, especially when, in my own case, but we'll talk about other people, they're doing it their own business. So somebody might have been on their website and seen their proof, their testimonials. And then when they've had this conversation that's getting presented in a certain way and this seeing it again, it's going, yeah, I remember hearing that or reading that. Awesome. Well, that's what I'm thinking. If these people had a proposal for my type of vehicle and they sent that out and it has the proof and it has other recommendations, 
because I had to kind of help them sell me a little bit with like, what other things would you consider for this type of vehicle? Like what are the common things or the things that would be must-haves? And they told me a few more. Like they weren't forthcoming with that. I had to extract it from them. The milk but I can see where a proposal would be great. Look, these are the things you've asked for and here are other recommendations that we've seen. And then they could have, you know, Trevor got this, Fred got that and uh, their comments about that would really start to make me desire that and feel like, oh, I should have those too. Do you have multiple packages in your proposal? Like there's this, that or that, like a Goldilocks? Um, sometimes there's two. Two, yep. If it's a mentoring, no, because it's just, that's what it is. It's the thing, yeah. Um, you know, if you're a landscaper or you're, you know, you, you're offering something where there's, there's options, well, you, you want to lay both out. When I'm proposing or teaching copywriters to propose their fees, is there's always two fees. Right. I'm positioning the, you know, do give them the apples to oranges once they've seen all the proof. And it's just, I mean, it's snapshot case study. So now it's an alternate choice assumptive. Which one of these two programs are you choosing? Do you want to pay this fee and no royalties, which is higher? Yep. Or do you want a lower fee with a percentage and agreed percentage based on performance? And so I guess if you're in a, let's say a car modifier or whatever, you might have a better or best or a good or best, like or best value or premium type thing where someone could choose a bundle with extra things in it. Yes. When I adjusted my own system to target the landscape gardeners that Barry and I were, were mentoring, there was a, a few different options and, you know, they could choose. But what was interesting is, you know, we'd have in the call and they're very skeptical industry. So the, the invitation would go out and I'd just roll them into a three-step email sequence, which I modeled from my three-step direct mail sequence. Instead of three uh, direct mail letters over 30 days, I got three emails over about 10 days and I held an ace up my sleeve for email three and we went through a phase there when we were doing these calls, we converted about 75% of those to £2,500 a month subscription model and we'd keep most of them for over a year, some we kept a couple of years. You know, so it's just, you can have this or you can have this, right? Which one do you want? And then I typically give them three days to make the decision, right? It's not the price is going to change. It's just the offer expires because if I don't do that or if you don't give them that option, then what reason have it really got to go back to them? Because we all get, everyone gets distracted, busy, meant to, you know, respond, whatever, the phone rings, dinner's on the table, knock at the door, and they don't get back to it. And what reason do you put for you putting the time limit? For me? Yeah, because, I mean, there's a reason why it's good to have it as the seller, but what? W- how do you position that in a way to them that doesn't feel like a cheap deadline? Yep, okay, fair question. I usually have some sort of bonus, like a good bonus, for them to take action now. Yep. Okay, so if it's a mentoring client and I've laid out the fees, it's like, you know what, if you do decide to agree you know, three days from now, by the date, expiry date in red. The first session is going to be two hours, which is basically a bonus month for, you know, being a fast decision maker, action, you know, take an action, whatever you want to call it. All right. And then it's their decision. And when I send the cover email, I let them know that everything's in the proposal. They can make an informed decision either way. Should they have any questions, feel free to reach out. 
And then an offer expires. I let it go a couple of days. So I just do the follow-up, sort of good boy. Hey, hey, Bob, um, just wondering whether you had time to look at the proposal, that type of thing. No response or whatever. Expires three days. Then I send out the final, the final whammy, right? And just reminds them, like, hey, I thought you were serious because, you know, we had this conversation. You're serious about getting these outcomes. You know, surely you can at least resonate with one of the things I've raised or doesn't it make sense to do something about it? And by the way, here's an additional bonus. It might be a guarantee on the services or whatever. And that just helps close them. And that literally, as I just model, as I said a few minutes ago, model what I did in direct mail to get people to say yes. Right? And when I send off the proposal, I go, you know, everything's here. You make an informed decision, like I said. And, you know, it's entirely up to you, though. But we've had this call for a reason. You want to get outcomes based on our call. I can help you. Cialdini did some research on that. He said that when you say something like, well, but it's up to you, they can like double the conversions. When you give the customer a reminder that it's their choice, which is, I think, it's quite courteous to do as well. Yeah. It's nice to hear you say that independently because I'm sure you've been doing that for a lot longer than uh, before that study came out. Yeah. I don't, I'm, uh, pretty much been doing it for 20 years. You can use any variation of that, right? Look, it's entirely your yeah. call or look, you be the best judge of what's right for you. Those sort of indicators can significantly increase conversions. Yes. And sometimes someone will come back to you and have got a question or they'll think, okay, well, hey, there's a bit more than I was expecting. And I'll uh, well, you know, we can either cherry pick and leave something out and we can get to that later. This should be enough to get you the results. And usually you can get them to be happy. There was an old sales school of thought that it's good to isolate the price. For example, they say, look, everything else aside, is it just the price? That was, yeah. that was an old Tom Hopkins or even probably even Brian Tracy. And I've, he- I've been hearing this in, literally in the last week, people saying, is it the price? Do you think that's dangerous or is it okay? I think it's okay if you get to the real reason, not the BS reason. Do they know the real reason sometimes? For example, your 20-something page proposal with a lot of proof, that might convert way better, sounds like it does, than a one-line proposal with just factual, like an invoice-style proposal, which is what probably everyone's sending out. People might not know they're not buying because they don't trust the person or they don't know if it'll actually go ahead or not because there's zero proof. Yeah. So they probably have a tough time saying, well, you know, had you sent me a 20-page document loaded with proof, I would have gone ahead. But since you didn't, I'm not sure if you can do the job. (laughs) Sometimes they just have this gut feeling, but they can't put it into words, which is why I think it could be a little dangerous uh, isolating price because you better be be good at diagnosing if you're going to go down that path. Look, I had a guy... It was referred to me by another copywriter when I still lived in Australia. And it wasn't a massive project. It was 4,400. And he said no. And I said, well, do tell. And he's like, well, he just, we was fluffing around the answer. And so I probed him a little bit and got to it that he was still a little bit unsure, even though somebody else had referred him to me. And he'd read everything, he'd heard everything, and it was just his, well, what if it doesn't work? Right? So I probed him. I learned that from Elmer Wheeler. Well, I find out the one true reason why they say no, because once you do, you're, you're armed and dangerous. It puts you in the position to overcome that 
real objection. Like offer a guarantee or something. Yeah, and which is, I said, well, you did read the guarantee, right? And he's like, yeah. I go, I'm going to read it to you on the phone. It was a phone call. I call that an assisted sale. Yeah. <laughs> where, where you're helping them yeah. through the your online offer or whatever. I think you just want to, be, to hear it from me personally. It's yeah. not different to that uh, let's think through this together when they say I want to think about it. Yeah. It's like, well, clearly there's some information missing here. Let's just go through that again and think through this together. That could be one way to help people at least find out if there's some major gap that you, you've omitted in the process. Well, what was interesting about that guy is that he was one of the guys I've spoken about him before on the, the Outrageous Office podcast I've done with you. And it just it blew his business up, right, because of the offer that was wrapped around with it. And then, of course, six months later, he's like, oh, I've got another project for dif- different business money, right? Another seven and a half grand you know, for a smallish size. It's like when I find a great supplier, I'm like, I'm looking for things to go and do business with them. Yeah. I've got the most incredible surfboard shaper relationship. And I unfortunately, I snapped a surfboard last week and I was pretty excited to take it down there. So I could just, you know, take him some beers and uh, ask him to fix it because he does the best job ever. And I know he's going to do a great job, but it was just nice to have a catch up. You know, like I'm happy to send them business. Yeah. Uh, when you get a supplier like that, it's great. You know, like the performance place. I'd be, I'd, I'd, you know, I wanted to see if I can take my other car there now. I haven't even been there yet, uh, but I'm just expecting it's going to be amazing. I'm sure we'll see pictures, will we, or on Facebook or what? You'll never see the pictures. And <laughs> like, you know, the best thing about my life uh, is that I don't publish it on social media, like my house, my possessions and stuff. It's like, I cherish the privacy and the non-flexing method. I'm happy to share endless content for my clients. It's like I had this troll the other day on YouTube. He was basically poking fun at my video. I said, yeah, yeah, advice from a guy with 10 likes. That was his troll comment. I looked at his profile and he had 13 subscribers, right? And he was just one of those fake names, you know, like yellow dogs or something. So I replied back. I said, listen... I only take comments seriously when someone has at least 14 subscribers, so keep at it. (laughs) But, you know, like the reality is, uh, you know, be interested to do a comparison uh, on any measure of success this guy wants to pick. Like trump cards, probably I'm doing okay. But it doesn't bother me. It doesn't get on my skin. It was just light humour. And, yeah, so you won't see it, and it's a choice I've made. What I've seen is in my line of work, I've seen so much flash and bling and flex, but it's mostly... Bullshit. You know, it's the, the yin yang, the black and the white side to it. If if someone's got all the things, they're missing something else. Maybe they're missing a relationship. Maybe they. It doesn't matter how many things you get, you'll never get enough, and they'll always feel incomplete or or whatever. It's, it fascinates me. Some of the most humble, low key people you'd never pick in a million years. I mean, I really like that understated approach. I think that's my style. Yeah, I was tongue in cheek when I said that because I already knew the answer. Yeah, I know. I just, but I, and sorry for the very long explanation, yeah. but I guess I really needed to let my audience know that I'm doing just okay, even if you don't uh, see it all. Yeah, I'm selective. I mean, I don't care about. I had the bling and you I'll, mostly post uh, shoes, fancy shoes, food and travel lifestyle, international lifestyle, and, and food, and um, 
you know, and I've just got into a relationship which has been missing for a while. So that's certainly been a oh, it's wonderful news, Trevor, and good. And um, yeah, but there's got to be no proposals there. <laughs> well, so, I'm curious. Would you do a proposal in written form in that regard? Because that could be considered <laughs> unromantic. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. Because I was it Gary Halbert wrote a full page ad in the paper looking for a partner at some point. That was fairly famous. Yes, yeah, it was. It's a classic, classic letter calling out what you want and more importantly what you don't want. Yep, which was very, uh, very good copy. And you know, but no, in that case, no, it's too early days. But um, it's all good. I know a guy who's got some kind of Tinder process. I'm not up to date with all these apps, but. He's got a VA running Tinder messages and then he's got a whole system around it to get all the dates he wants. But it made me feel a bit sad hearing about that. I feel like there's times to use the systems and processes and maybe times to be a little bit human and organic. (laughs) I think the takeaway takeaway here is no matter what business you have and whatever you're selling – Think about your delivery method and how you can improve the targeting and the messaging and see if there's a system that's reliable and repeatable that gets you a high result, whether that's a proposal, whether that's a coaching application call, or whether that is um, some other method. Refine your message, tune your methodology. People will ask me, Trevor, how would they, the, the, the obvious question is like, how do I get a copy of this proposal? How do I find out about this proposal? Do you teach it anywhere? Do you have it in a course, et cetera? Uh, up until this point, I've just been doing a, a done with you. Yep. And somebody reaches out, we agree on the fees, done with you. I am in the process of creating a course around it. And uh, a couple of guys I know that do it very well at Big challenges want to do it with me as a challenge process. Well, maybe you put together a little group and uh, let me know about it. I'll let our audience know about it. Well, yeah, that's sort of what I'm working on. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll contact you and they'll say, well, and you'll send off your proposal for the training and they'll say, thanks, Trevor, no need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't do that. <laughs> cut and paste, like-, like the cut and paste test, it always blows my mind. I shared a playbook last week, which is a, uh, it's a multi-email series technique that I've been using to sell like crazy behind the scenes. And I know there'll be one or two people who will copy exactly, they'll say exactly what I say, they'll send exactly the same email, and then one or two of them will even email me saying, it didn't work for me, right? I'm like, yeah, because yeah. You, didn't, you didn't do any work, right? Work being the operative word, you've got to customize this technique for yourself. So I think understanding how it works is the big point I wanted to make like what we've been able to elicit from this episode is that there is a system out there where you can have a post call follow-up that is effective combined with an email sequence that combines elements of a headline relevant uh, statements back to the client of the thing that they want help with how your solution is going to help them with that trust elements proof elements guarantees risk reversals all that sort of stuff a time frame a contact process a fee schedule one or two maybe, and that this thing is out there and Trevor's been doing it for a long time. Uh, what's your best website, Trevor? Smovo.com, S-M-O-F-O.com. Short and simple. Love it. Or just, you know, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash toecracker. Because that's where I'll be, um, you know, I, I thought about doing a six-week training on this, but I don't think I actually need six weeks. I think four sessions is enough. And then being able to review, I'm about to start a, a private client one-to-one. 
to train her for her business. And um, then after that, it'll just be, I'll put it in the course and create a group around it and give people the support because it does take a little bit to... Finesse. It's just, even if you're a copywriter, take a little bit to sharpen this and that's where the copy chiefing for me comes in at the end. But before they even follow the full system, they've got to do that big chunk, the biggest sort of weapon in that uh, in that whole th- proposal system invitation first and nail that before they even teach them the rest. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be words you can, good words to use and bad words to use and so forth. So. Yeah, but, you know, I did some of the, cover this when I did the outrageous office training. Yeah. And it just got awesome. Well, that's all right. We, we can't assume that everyone's listened to every single episode, but I do recommend that. We have a playlist of Trevor's previous episodes. We'll, we'll put them in the show notes here at episode 1004. Uh, it's great to have you back, Trevor. As, as always, interesting banter, a few stories either way. And the main thing is we get some learning outcomes, some actionable items from each episode. And I feel like this has been a, an excellent one because it's not – something that I've gone deep in the proposals. I've pretty much tried to avoid proposals uh, through most of my business life because of an early trauma. <laughs> and uh, early and trauma. it's good to hear that it's working for others. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on again. This is James Schramko. 